0: The following episode of The Curse of the Golden Turnip was recorded on Saturday, April 4th, between me and Alan LePage, observing strict isolation. Okay, so so first off, you had not done your show for the last two, or is it three weeks now?
1: This will be the third week. Tomorrow. Right.
0: Okay, so how are you feeling about that right now
1: well you know my program is is really done for the listeners and to be perfectly frank I wouldn't do it if it weren't for my listeners and it wouldn't sustain my interest there's nothing I hate worse than listening to myself
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it's not that I don't think I have something to say but maybe I don't like the sound of my own voice Or I'm my own harshest critic, and when I listen to myself talk, as I've been mandated to do by the station director over the years to review my program for its professionalism, (laughs) I suppose you could say I become disconcerted.
0: Yeah, I have the same reaction to listening to myself. As soon as we were locked out of the air studio and had to do this remotely, Chris asked me if I could help get your program on the air somehow, and I I just told them flat out that there was pretty much no way that you would do your show if you didn't have a way of engaging with your listeners. But then yesterday, or was it the day before, I just had this idea of just recording a conversation with you, because I know our listeners miss you terribly, and this is the beginning of the gardening season and there are a lot of issues going on this issue of the farmers market and the governor and the department of agriculture and and how they are what i heard is that they are considering farmers markets to be non-essential
1: like that's right how it doesn't make any sense to me are we going to get into this as part of the program yeah I think it's okay. It's, then we'll we'll open with that, and then if you know, I can get in some you know tangential stuff about what we're doing now because it is yeah. planting time, and yeah. we're out there in the field prepping ground and planting things.
0: Right, and I'm also wondering how this pandemic is influencing or altering the way you're approaching this season's. Farming.
1: But yeah, that's really fascinating in its own right. Yeah. And I, I have to say, despite what I just said about I wouldn't do this program for the listeners, on the other hand, I am a creature of habit. I'm an old man, and I, I definitely, you know, I've been doing this program for 30 years. And, yeah, I'm used to having uh, this uh, uh, the, the, the digital soapbox. And having (laughs) occasional comments from people who live in Mexico and Singapore, and I mean, it's not that I don't have a a kind of a Facebook worldwide network. I kind of do, you know. I've got a couple friends in Ghana, and one in Russia, and one in Norway, and so. Well, let me tell you. There's just something about doing a live broadcast where I'm. Free to express, I don't know what well, to call it.
0: Well, you'll be totally free to express and talk about anything here. And I am willing to make myself available on a weekly basis or whenever you feel like you have something, the urge to talk about something. And we can bring a guest on. I can use the flash. But how do you do that? I can use the flash function on my phone to bring in one other person, and you probably have the same thing on your phone. So there's the potential of having up to four people on these calls at the same time.
1: Right, and this would be live when we record it, right?
0: Right. It's It's not
1: live on air.
0: Right. It's not live on air because I'm in my living room at home, and I have to upload it to Carl or Dave and have them put it into the robot to play it and also I will put this on SoundCloud and you can send links out via Facebook to your friends all over the world so they can hear it that way too okay so there are possibilities here okay so getting to the uh, the farmer's market issue if if you want to start with that and the politics with the governor and, and the Department of Agriculture and the fate of the farmer's market this summer.
1: Okay. Well, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been on the air, and it's only a few weeks in the last 30 years of broadcasting The Curse of the Golden Turnip and its various previous incarnations that I haven't been on the air. And I admit that I had miss being able to interact with people and to get reactions after I do a program, either with interviews or without. So, yeah, I miss you. And I'm keeping busy even though I'm socially distancing myself. After all, I am 68 and in that demographic of the most common fatalities from the COVID virus. Nonetheless, I'm still picking spinach and cooking meals for my daughter and her partner, who are the principal workers here now. I do some, but I have to admit that with a bad knee, I get really tired by the end of the day. We were disconnected not just from WGDR, but from our regular routine at farmer's markets, back in mid-March when our winter market was canceled at Caledonia Spirits, which was playing host to our winter farmers market, and no longer wanted to be responsible for the socially crowded atmosphere there on a Saturday morning. It was a great space, a trifle cramped, and spectacularly cramped when you take into consideration the proclivity with which the COVID virus spreads. Oh, so yeah. it was suddenly canceled the night before the yeah, late afternoon before the market was to take place. And we quickly came up with an alternative of direct marketing our own stuff on the street. I wasn't there. I was told to stay home.
2: Uh, By who?
1: (laughs) My daughter, I guess, wants me to stay um, upright for a little while longer, and she's young and strong and I guess figures that, you know, there's not as high a risk to her being out in the public as there would be for me. I'm a little, not entirely comfortable with being quarantined, but I guess I've, thought about it a lot and I'm really not necessary. It's not like I have anything to do there. I, you know, sit in a chair and wave at people. I don't know.
0: Well, I'm sure people would like to see you, but I I understand Lila's concern. You are a unique and precious commodity, whether you agree with that notion or not.
1: I've been told that, but, you know, I feel less precious by the day. So my own perspective on it is that, you know, our bodies. Outlive their usefulness, and mm-hmm. though I still have a mind, it is a more than a little bit frustrated by the fact that it's not backed up by a body that is as strong as the mind. It's irritating to be quite frank. And well, I guess you can always anticipate the decline of the mind eventually so maybe they'll come into sync not not, not necessarily too
0: near. not necessarily i i've heard of lots of people who stay sharp as attack up till the very end so that is not a foregone conclusion for everybody
1: no it is and I had a grandmother who was pretty sharp right up until a few weeks before her death at age 100 and i do know a few people approaching 100 who are like that as well
0: yeah, I suspect um, you'll be one of them
1: Jules Rabin, for instance.
0: Yeah, I su- strongly suspect you'll maintain that because that's an important part of who you are.
1: Well, in any case, there's lots doing on vegetable farms at this time of year. Greenhouses are filling up. The ground is getting prepped. We're having to reevaluate things we grow. Such um, as? Well, flowers, for instance. We aren't you know, a major flower grower or anything, but we are trying to scale our operation to a different reality. We can no longer display everything out in the open, or we may not be able to. It's hard to project exactly what's going to happen, but other markets that are operating in, say, New York City, The green markets, the famous green markets in the city, Union Square has sort of the distinction of being the oldest one. They are bagging everything. They are allowing customers to point to what they want and the vendor will fetch it for them, place it on a table, and then through various means, either debit cards or credit cards, Processed on a function called square, and there are a number of different functions. PayPal is another one. If so, you were so not handling equipped. money,
0: not handling cash,
1: not handling cash is a big one. Cash is a vector for disease. Yep. you have no idea where it's been. If somebody just received it, they might have just been the last recipient of, you know, five or ten people in the last few days. Yep. So the idea is to minimize the handling of that, minimize the period of time between the person buying whatever and the person selling it to them, and minimize that almost entirely by taking pre-orders online, which my daughter Lila has set up. You can go online to our website or the Facebook page we maintain and make an order and then it's picked up and you pay online. So there's just this moment of interaction where, you know, the box or bag, whatever you have ordered is placed on a table and you're gone. And it's the exact opposite of the way farmers markets are usually thought of the way they function.
0: Yeah, it's a scary new world in a way.
1: Well, it's really scary because, well, I mean, you know, farmers' market—the two words are almost synonymous with some kind of social gathering. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that's, people that's, are true that, enough are buying lunch and their whatever vegetables they might see on display. But
0: for me, it's, the farmers' market has always been as much of a social function as it is, you know, a shopping function.
1: Absolutely. I might see your dad stop by and drop what I'm doing and have a five-minute conversation with him until a line gets a little too long. Otherwise, I might not see your dad and uh, very much. And I there's a number of people that I love to have at least a brief interchange, despite the commercial protocol, I guess, the capitalist protocol of, When you're very busy, you should spend no more than a certain number of seconds with each customer.
0: Otherwise, you are losing business.
1: Yeah, you're losing business. And when you have people waiting in line, you may be losing business in the future because people don't like waiting in lines. Well, now people cannot be allowed to wait in line. And so we need to do the opposite of what usually happens. We need to get rid of people,
0: which is a hard thing to say. You're trying to funnel them through as fast as possible.
1: That's right. We do not want conversations. We don't want people lingering and being in contact with each other. You know, I understand the point of social distancing. There's an epidemic out there. It's real. It could kill millions of people if we don't behave ourselves and listen to the medical science. It's really hard to be, uh, I don't know how I could properly describe me as a libertarian because I'm not. The libertarians don't accept my self-designation, but it's really tough to look at the kind of restrictions of your activities, potentially policed activities that you're so used to and being told, move on, you can't have this conversation, you're getting too close. And that is disconcerting. It seems to violate the notions of individual liberty and the right of free expression. It does.
0: Absolutely. And with the farmer's market, that's probably your main venue for being able to do that with people.
1: It's basically my social life. Yeah. I And yeah. It, it's... I don't have the words. It feels like there is this vast, missing dimension that suddenly was taken away, an aspect of my life for the last 43 years. And coming minutes, I might refer to this letter that we just received from the General Counsel of the Department of Agriculture, Foods, and Markets, in which he attempts to justify the banning of farmers' markets based on the fact that they are social gatherings and that furthermore, farmers who come to town to do farmers' markets might be bringing the virus back to their isolated condition in another region.
0: Well, I'm sure everyone would like to hear you read that letter just so that they know exactly what what we're up against.
1: Well, let's see. I'd have to bring it up here. Um, I guess I could do that. I made that remark because I think it shows a deep depth of disinformation about farmers and farming. Now, in my grandfather's era... That is, he was born in 1881, died in 1968. In his youth, at any rate, when he was born and in the atmosphere of the 19th century, it was perfectly possible to be so-called isolated on a farm. I suppose that there must be some way to still be isolated on a farm, but the facts are that if you're a vegetable farmer, you are not isolated. You can't be isolated. You can't manage it on your own and without interaction with somebody somewhere bringing your product to someone's door even. is interaction. You have to be somewhere. I have to say that in that context, the lack of understanding of what farming is for a small, local direct selling farmer is, is stunning. It's disconcerting. There's a great deal of what I would call advocacy around small scale, local, organic, direct marketing farming. And that advocacy makes it sound like farming is some kind of You know, Rebecca from uh, Sunnybrook Farm Life, where you get to grow flowers and fruits and kind of spend a lot of time out in the sunshine listening to birds chirping. Well, the reality for farmers is much more apt to be, you know, changing the oil in the tractor, being out there in a thousand-foot row of carrots, uh, weeding them, hour after hour, day after day, um, sitting on a tractor, cultivating and or tilling uh, uh, with the sound and, and smell of a diesel engine. Uh, it Farming on any kind of scale that I know about in 2021 is very much connected to the larger economy. There's 300 and some odd million, 320 million people in this country, and of course most of them eat from the efforts of mega-farmers' industrial-scale 1,000, 10,000-acre farms. And the advocates make this into um, a a horror show, a lousy situation that our food comes from such a structure of, you know, land holdings of 10,000 acres and middlemen and delivery systems. But if you really want a farming community a system that lies outside of financial corporate capitalism. It requires a lot of people cooperating and working together to achieve that. Even in the 19th century, people people work together. Uh, on my program, I regularly read from Walter Hard. Whose stories from the valley of Vermont typify the interactions of people, farmers. They rarely live off by themselves. In fact, they live in and in a lot of ways for each other. And what we've lost in this industrial scale farming is exactly what Walter Hard pictures in his free verse. And it's what's being challenged in the current circumstances. Farmers markets, in other words, are having to work around a pandemic that could potentially kill millions of people. And so they, you know, the board of directors or hosts of of markets have to have to evolve other methodologies of dealing with bunches of people exchanging money and food. And it's not easy. It's it's really really hard to reconfigure markets so that it is not in capital letters a social gathering.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what are the other states around how are they responding to this this pandemic and how how are they um, how are they categorizing and dealing with the issue of farmers' markets
1: well it it varies but um, California's markets are open um, Seattle's markets were closed um, for a time during the initial peak of incidences of, of the virus in an attempt to uh, lock down the city it it didn't work because the obviously already by mid-March the virus was widespread in pockets. That is to say that there may not have been many cases in a lot of states, but it was there. And it spread rapidly. It's apparently, obviously, extremely contagious. And Therefore, um, efforts to lock it down in our highly mobile society were unsuccessful. Uh, China had the opposite experience. Perhaps not because they weren't mobile. It was after all the Chinese New Year when it broke out. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Probably because they're much more a people used to regimentation, Um, let's say an authoritarian society that is used to obeying commands. And when the leadership of China declares that a province is in lockdown, they enforce it with the police. Yeah, and and I, you know, I shudder to think that that, that that would happen in this country. But it probably is what should have happened. At this point, the United States has an outbreak that's approaching three hundred thousand people, and China never went over a hundred thousand cases, at least by the number of tests performed. If that's any accurate. And, metric but it it, I I really think that we are our own worst enemy in this respect our economy is completely based on a system of rapid money movements and people movements uh, in this large country and that you know people are traveling it's Winter, there are cruise ships wandering all over the world with older folks on them, and it it's really obvious to me exactly why the United States has the largest outbreak of any country in the world.
0: And we've only begun to test, so when the tests get more widespread and they start coming in, because I think they take about 10 days to two weeks to get the results back from the tests, so we're We're behind the curve in every conceivable way in terms of keeping track of what's what's happening,
1: yeah, that's dead on we We are actually uh, experiencing the uh, occurrences of that uh, ten days, two weeks ago, when the president of the country was still denying that there was a problem, yeah, and so. You know, uh, the president being a the chief avatar of uh, American individualism uh, is costing uh, lives in this country. Uh, no one really knows the number, but it's it's going to be large. It's already um, approaching fifty thousand, or something like that. At any rate. You know, we, if we have any social conscience at all, if we care about, you know, the other people that are around us and uh, their health and well-being, it, it behooves us to, like, observe this social distancing and minimize our travel and, and our, social arrangements.
0: So, applying this to the farmer's market, how viable, I mean, how can we, can we, can we continue to maintain open farmer's markets in a way that fits within that uh, necessity?
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's the question, and, uh, you know, I guess that depends on the extent of people's cooperation, not just the farmers, but customers. Mm -hmm. In other words, if customers want to continue to buy local goods, they need to be acutely aware when they show up at the farmer's market that they need to have their stuff together. Uh, In other words, they need to have gone online and pre-ordered um, or what, make whatever arrangements with the farmer, farmers that they can to have an order already picked out by the farmer and packaged and ready to go. That now could, that means that could be no actually, browsing.
0: Yeah, that could actually be helpful in some ways for you to know what to bring and how much to bring. Yeah, but but yeah, the browsing thing is when yeah, you just mentioned the browsing thing. That that's a huge thing that that could get lost in this in this whole thing. Is it possible that people could look at what you have and then go onto their phones and pay for it?
1: Well, we're hoping something like that could be arranged. Um, and, of course, at present, the state of Vermont has declared farmers markets are closed. Vermont is one of two states in the Northeast, the other one being Delaware, that's done this. The rest of them have declared farmers markets as essential services.
0: So, considering that other states have, con- cons- have declared uh, farmers markets to be essential services, um, I'm wondering if we need an activist movement to change the minds of our uh, bureaucrats, our politicians.
1: Well, I, I'm i not the one to ask about the mind of a bureaucrat because I, I don't want to go there. Not on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, my my impression of it is that there is stuck in the minds of many, including our governor, that farmers' markets are an identity with a social gathering. And that, therefore, we cannot help but violate the social distancing protocols. But
0: can, can think about grocery stores I have <laughs> I think you know from my experience being in grocery stores for the last few weeks the social aspect of it has dramatically been curtailed and and I think there's the space the space issues are just the same you have these fairly narrow aisles that you have to navigate down with other people and people my experience is that people have been very good about honoring each other's space and, and that six-foot distance. So I'd, it seems to me that the same thing could be done at farmer's markets and that people could could adapt to this situation knowing that it, it is temporary, hopefully.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, well... I, you know uh, I haven't been in a supermarket since I've been quarantined here I guess. Uh, well I have and I but my sister has been doing some shopping and she says it she uses the word scary to describe it that while some people are aware of social distancing protocols there are, a great number who aren't and who just seem to wander around bumbling through the store in the way uh, w- that is the opposite of social distancing they're just not aware of themselves and and how close they get to other people and how much they for instance you know, one of people's habits, and it's a, a worldwide habit uh, at every market I've ever attended anywhere, is people pick over things, which is to say, you know, if you've got a, a, a head of broccoli in a pile, people don't just pick the head of broccoli they want. They lift up one, put down another, look at that one, maybe look at it. They, they inspect it. And the same is true of a number, of quite a number of vegetables. Unless the farmer bags things like onions or potatoes, if you display things in a, a bin, the customer is picking one and not another, or picking up one and deciding that it has a blemish, putting that down and taking another one. Mm-hmm. Well that kind of situation is how viruses get spread. And so it's, it's my considered opinion that farmer's market can better isolate people from that sort of situation than supermarkets can. We can set up social distancing protocols that are enforced by tables, by the fact that we're outside, by the fact that we can bag everything, pre bag and 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 that's way more work for the vendor, the farmer, to weigh and pre bag everything. Because the way markets usually work is the customer comes along with the a bunch of things, this and that, in a bag or basket and you proceed to handle each item, weigh it and, uh, you know, attach a price to it, tote it up and send the customer on their way. Um, That is, well, it's faster than It's faster and less work for the farmer if the customer picks things out in the amount they want and brings it to you, than having the farmer weigh everything and pre-bag it in exact amounts so that the price is clear. There are farmers that do this, and it does cut down on the amount of calculation that takes place on the other hand it takes an enormous amount of time and trouble to do all this
0: yeah and the other option of going online and picking you know picking things out and paying for them beforehand makes this shopping this what used to be a, a very social and enjoyable process seem more like shopping on Amazon or something like that
1: yep yep pretty much and, and I, it, I hate
0: it, shopping online I find it it takes a, a lot of time and there's a lot of hoops you have to go through and it's and I just generally find myself getting frustrated by the whole process so I'm, I'm wondering how how people are are gonna adapt to this I mean we, we are living in a completely new New time under um, extreme circumstances. So I imagine we'll all adapt, but I'm really curious to see how how the farmers' market emerges from this for the summer.
1: Well, I mean, that's, we, that's my we concern. We have no idea, really. Um, we we did um, a week ago. We did a a trial run of one. Method, which was to have the customer approach a single point of exchange where they paid and a picker, a, a market employee representative, went after the customer identified themselves and got the customer's pre order.
0: Well, let me describe what. I grew up in in Manhattan and back when I was a kid fruit and vegetable stands were all over the place and basically they had all of their stuff out on display in 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 their individual piles and you would say to the vendor or he would he would say what would you like and you'd say I want one of those and he'd reach for something, no, I want that one over there, okay, or, or I want half of this, or I want this, and he would pick them for you mm-hmm. and put them in a bag and then hand it to you, and then you would pay them. So is this somewhat like that, except the, the payment, obviously, has to be...
1: Yeah, well, I, was, I lived in the same city at about the same time and used to buy my vegetables... From such a place, and yeah, it, it the old man that um, owned the one that I I was fond of visiting was one of them that he kept the the front of it open. It was open air. Yep,
0: it was open air
1: all winter long. Yep. Hey, I don't know. He had a sheet or something on the coldest days. Of plastic over,
0: and they had heat the, blaring out from inside as well.
1: Right. Yeah. But basically, you went in there and, you know, you said what you wanted and he was there. Um, I don't even remember that he had a cash register. He had an apron.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I, I remember the same thing. They had aprons and he had cash and change in, in it was sort of like the old-fashioned uh, nail pouches that people would wear before they got into the leather ones.
1: Yeah, yeah, and of course this this particular old man I was buying from had a blue number on his arm.
0: Oh, yeah, wow.
1: And he was an incredible person. He knew a lot about produce, and he was delightful to talk to. And uh, visiting a a vegetable stand like that was a social occasion. Mm Mm-hmm. At least for me, I think it was for a lot of New Yorkers, and we can't do that under these circumstances. We we will have to do something like it. Well, we the can, only thing is you can do, a, you
0: the, can do a, a very curtailed. I mean, you can still say hello and how are you, and and yep, you can, but no no longer no long conversations anymore. I guess
1: no long conversations and. And the emphasis will be on removing yourselves from the premises as rapidly as possible. In other words, it it will be the opposite of market. We it, at a farmers market, we the board of directors, the vendors actually want people to linger. They spend more money yeah. when they linger, and and instead of that, we. We, our job will be to dispatch people, and should they linger, it will probably be somebody's job to come up to somebody six feet away and said, "Please
0: move along, leave." <laughs> yeah, move along, move along. But
1: get I imagine,
0: yeah. I imagine, even as distasteful as this seems to us right now, because we're not having, we haven't done it yet, that we'll adapt and we'll get used to it. Because we don't really have any other choice at the, at the moment. And also understanding that, that it will probably only last, well, who knows, but probably only that, for that, a few that more that months.
1: Is, yeah, that is the question. And it's also the question with the myriad of items that that vegetable farmers grow, how they can possibly... Sell anywhere near close to the volume that they're accustomed to in making a living. Uh, it
0: so you think it's you? Sounds like you're convinced that you're going to end up selling a lot less this way.
1: I really have no idea. It it I it, we are in uncharted territory. Uh, it's possible that. Markets won't function as effectively as they have been, perhaps they will become a you know a footnote or, instead of the or perhaps a, a bastion of efficiency, yeah yeah, something like that yeah, where you go to just buy something quickly and get away, but you can still I, say I, hello,
0: you can still say hello to people, you just have to maintain six feet six foot distances and when you're in line to to buy things you have to move through
1: something like that very much yeah. like
0: when you're at, at you know the
1: yeah the Limited grocery space. store
0: you have to move through the line
1: yep i i don't know how it's going to work i mean it just you know there are whole all kinds of of ifs ands or buts to it i mean you know when you usually go to the farmers market Many people like to buy from several vendors and spread the wealth around. Yeah. And that that is going to make it, that aspect of most people's buying habits more difficult. Oh, In yeah. other words, you, you know, you aren't going to be able to decide who has the best broccoli and who has the cheapest corn. Or unless some,
0: unless you can use your phone to pay for things on the spot or within you know as you're looking at things prepay right there while you're looking
1: yeah yeah i i can't quite wrap my head around how that would work and well it's the same so- way
0: it's the same way as as ordering online it's just that you're at the spot and the transaction has to go through pretty quickly, which means somebody somebody might need to be monitoring these transactions to see when someone is paid.
1: I guess, but you know considering that that there are going to be myriad farmers markets no doubt using a model something like this all over the Northeast and the, maybe the United States, I don't know. How is that going to work with that many people using a platform all at once? My guess is that that is a formula for crashing. It already has happened with respect to uh, when we first set up a pre-order system for the market uh, a few days before last weekend. Uh, it crashed. The, the, the amount of traffic that was going on on the internet is just like way, way greater than it has been for, I mean, it's at a historic high level. That's how people are relating. Yeah. It's how they're doing business.
0: Yeah, I'm finding connectivity online to be very, very slow, and I'm, I'm curious because I'm isolated, I don't know whether it's unique to me because I have an an old computer and 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 slow DSL or whether it's affecting everybody. Because I know no, no, as you just, just said every- everybody's online right now doing everything online.
1: Yep. Yeah. No, all at everybody. the same time. And there and there are peak and there are peak hours and one of them is Saturday morning.
2: Could be um,
1: for the, for the people who still have jobs, Saturday mornings is, uh, you know, time to be uh, taking care of some basic business, shopping, however you want to yeah. term it. Yeah. So it's a time when there's peak Internet traffic and the platforms like Square will be stressed. Yeah. And if everybody is using their phones all the time to make purchases, it, it would seem that there are some intrinsic difficulties unless we all immediately go to 5G internet, which probably isn't going to happen right away.
0: Well, I have to say, so, I hope not. I don't like <laughs> 5G. I've, unfortunately, I've interviewed people about it and I've read the down. Da- The downsides, the studies that have been done over in Scandinavia and and other places, and it's not—it seems like what we're going through right now could could railroad it through much faster and without any scrutiny.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. the 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 whole the whole COVID nineteen pandemic could change uh, the overall configuration of internet use and business relationships forever. Yeah. Since once you adopt a form like that, you know, even when the emergency passes and, like, who knows how long that's going to take, um, it could leave a new new format for doing business in people's minds that requires a much faster, more capacious, broadband.
0: And people have been we've been gradually moving in that direction for a number of years now. So it's a it's almost an inevitably logical next step.
1: I guess I mean basically it's some people, what it would do to farmers markets is make them into a a kind of collective CSA because the emphasis Rather than on having people select each item, is going to be for the customer to pick a vendor and make an order. And yeah, they no doubt can pick three or four vendors, but the the tendency in there is, of course, if you are buying from three, four, five different vendors, is you've got that that's all that much more time and fiddling around with the platform and with entering your data, which is a little freaky in itself these days. Yes, it sounds like a nightmare. So (laughs) my guess is that it's going to increase uh, purchases from, you know, single vendors that uh, the customer is going to go there and say, okay, well, I I don't want to screw around with a lot of different purchases. I think I'll just buy from one because that, that speeds the whole process up. And I don't know if... Maybe there are people who absolutely delight in making orders online. I don't.
0: Yeah, I don't either. But we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's a new reality, and, and I suspect we'll all adapt to it in some way, shape, or form. Okay. As we do with everything else.
1: I suppose something like that is true. Um, we'll find out, I, I, assuming we're all still alive, or most of us, or something like that.
0: Well, most of us will will continue for a little while longer, at least, anyway. I mean, the world is...
1: Well, evidently, as as, as right now, the, the death rate is only about 2.7% of infected in this country, but you know, you look at a place like Italy, and it's up there around 12, 13 percent. Really? Yes. Huh. Italy, it has to be said, uh, has one of the oldest, I think it's the second oldest population demographic on Earth.
0: Behind the Japanese, is it?
1: I don't know what the number one is. I, I should lo- I should have looked it up before I... Agreed to do the program. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we'd be going there.
0: I I'm not concerned about those details. Um.
1: At any rate, you know it, it it can be pretty stunning what what could happen, and it's definitely true that there are a lot of older folks in this country. In fact, you know a uh, uh, a common joke amongst uh, the the uh, uh, what are uh, Gen Z? I, I don't know. I, I the get millennials who's Gen X and who's Gen Z and but what you, you know it's it, it, COVID nineteen is is termed amongst the immortal twenty year old set as, uh boomer doomer.
0: Yep, I've heard that too.
1: Okay, so <laughs> it it contains an element of truth.
0: Absolutely, and and in many ways, large, and in many ways, that's a good thing because. We're we're the generation that that have contributed the most to this problem. I mean, to to all to all the problems that we're facing in this world.
1: Well, it's definitely the boomers who were on those cruise ships, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and and there's also the pre-boomers. You know, there's still there's still the generation prior to the boomers, the ones that are in their eighties. Yep.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to work out. Uh, all I know is that, you know, we, we have a tough road to hoe and we're having to persuade um, bureaucracies that we are not a deadly, dangerous enterprise.
0: Well, I hope, somebody, is, I hope somebody takes up that issue and uh, tries to change their position.
1: Yeah, well, I'm not going to hold my breath. I think it's incumbent on people, farmers, uh, the people who um, operate and try to make successful the farmers markets to press their case. Because otherwise, um, the inertia of labeling something as unsafe will... Have a steamroller effect on it. Yep. I mean, i i I have to say the fact that the liquor store remains open and the, the gun shops are doing a land office business blows my mind.
0: Yep. And toilet, um, and toilet papers is uh, <laughs> is the new yep. gold. <laughs> I,
1: I i i can't quite. I, I it doesn't compute. Um. I'm sorry, I can't wrap my head around it at <laughs> all. Um, how how gun shops are essential uh, is I mean I, it's, it's oh, are not they, like are I'm, they
0: actually designated as essential businesses?
1: They are really. They are. They're open. That's insane. You don't get out much, Tonio.
0: No, and I don't go to gun shops very often.
1: Well, I happen to. I've live only near been. One, I've okay. actually.
0: I've actually only been to a gun shop in, once in my life, and that was uh-huh. a, accompanying somebody else, and it was a bizarre experience being in a store that's full of guns. I mean, talk about a scary place to be. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, the the gun shops aren't full of guns anymore. They're they're gone. They're the shelves are empty.
0: Ah, okay. Because people have bought them out. Everybody's
1: buying guns. Wow. I it, well, I, I probably I mean, shouldn't I be guess,
0: advertising that that I that I don't have a gun, but.
1: Uh, well, you should have, Tonio. You need a gun. Yeah. Civilization is about to collapse, and so we can go to war do, against each other. You need to gun down anybody who shows up in your yard.
0: Yeah. Ain't that living? Ain't that living? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I mean, I I I hope everybody's doing their spring planting now because it's really important. You'll need that food you're growing in uh, your front lawn instead of the grass, and it's time to plant your peas.
0: Yeah. Do you have any uh, recommendations that you from your Many years of experience with with your listeners calling in at this time of the year. What, what should be, what should people be focusing on now, and and what do you think people should be growing, considering? Um,
1: well, it's uh, extraordinary that we have this wonderful early spring to take advantage of. Of course, it could turn around and be the opposite in a month, but let's not go there. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, farmers who are risking. Uh, their uh, lives doing this are busy planting now out in the field. We're planting uh, sugar and peas. We'll be planting the fava beans in the next day or two. But if none too soon, if you have row covers and hoops and you can uh, deploy these things to be planting things like Swiss chard, beets, carrots, even onions. I mean, onio- I shouldn't even say even onions. The onions are, are really hearty. Um, you can sow arugula. Uh, if you've got a little place to start some Chinese cabbage, uh, germinate them inside, and they'll do just fine. Uh, Transplant in a couple weeks. So there's a lot of things you can be doing, and um, ought to be doing, uh, because who knows what the food supply is going to end up looking like in a month or two. Mm-hmm. Dairy farmers are dumping their milk because the prices are so low. At
0: really? the
1: same time, the shelves are empty in the supermarkets. Really? Let's try to figure that one out.
0: I haven't, I haven't seen that, but I don't buy milk, so I don't. I don't right.
1: Know. Well. People do in, uh, in other places, I'm not sure. I haven't been there, but my sister says that that's pretty much the situation in the supermarket.
0: So people are buying up all the milk, and the farmers are going bankrupt because the milk prices are, are tanking. That's right. Wow. That's bizarre.
1: It is bizarre, and it's a bizarre world, and... Um, it's bizarre doing the Curse of the Golden Turnip on on my cell phone.
0: <laughs> Any last words to our listeners?
1: Well, I really miss jawboning with the regulars on my program, and maybe we can do this again next week. Okay. Thanks, Tony, for enabling this.
0: You're welcome, and, and thanks for doing this. Okay. And good luck with uh, the farming Good luck with the farmer's market, and stay healthy.
1: I'll try. You too, and all of my listeners all over the place.
0: Okay.
2: Bye-bye.
1: Okay. Bye. (laughs) Bye, (laughs)
2: Tony.